0: Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 to 13. Jesus stepped into the boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take up your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to man. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he said to him. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, but sinners.
1: Uh, Once again, it's a real privilege to share God's word with you all. Shall we start with a word of prayer? Uh, Fathers, we thank you for your word and pray that you'll open up our hearts and our minds to understand it. That the Spirit will be with all of us here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I wanted to begin with a story, and this is a story about a girl in our previous church in the UK. So, the background is she was a Christian for a while now, but she struggled with God's forgiveness in her life. It was a, a past sin that she had already repented of and confessed. And she was definitely trusting in Jesus because of the life that she was living, we could tell. But then you see, she would hear these, she would hear these accusations in her ear. For example, you'll never be good enough. God still remembers your sin." You will never have his acceptance. You need to work harder. Has Jesus really forgiven me was her question. You see, she struggled with assurance and a security in her life. Hopefully, God's word today will speak into a forgiveness and speaks about forgiveness and the assurance that Jesus Christ brings to all of us today. And there were uh, three points um, on the sermon today So please have your leaflets um, ready And you can refer to them whenever you please So the three points are Number one, the authority to forgive Number two, the need of forgiveness And number three, the cost of forgiveness So the first point is the, the king's authority to forgive So this a miracle that Jesus performed It's recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and that is significant. The Gospel writers want to tell us something about Jesus' character, but what is it? So, so far, we have have seen Jesus showing authority in various areas in life. So, two weeks ago, we saw Jesus having this authority over nature, he tells the storm, he talks to the storm, he says, be still, and the storm obeys, nature obeys a Jesus Christ. And then last week, Richard talked about Jesus having authority over the demonic, over the spiritual. And then Matthew chooses to place this story of the paralyzed man, to show, to show us Jesus's Ultimate authority, his divine authority to forgive sins. Uh, look down with me, uh, Matthew nine one 2, three. Uh, slide, please. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, "Take heart, son. Your sins." forgiven you see in Matthew's account we don't get the narrative of Jesus of his friends uh, carrying him the man on the roof Do you remember that when they carry him on the roof and then they, his friends make a, a hole in the roof and then they lower him down we don't get any of that all we get is this central theme as Matthew asserts and demonstrates Jesus's authority to forgive sins And so this is Matthew's bullseye. This is what he wants to highlight to us. Jesus' authority to forgive sins. Jesus says to the paralysed man, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Do you notice the first words that come out from Jesus' mouth? They're words of comfort. He says, take heart, Or, in other words, trust me, don't be anxious, cast your anxieties on me. And for those of us struggling today with issues of shame or guilt, past sins and failures, Jesus' healing words to us today are Take heart, son or daughter, your sins are forgiven. And of course the the man wanted to be healed But there was a a more pressing concern A more important issue at hand And this was the uh, forgiveness of sins So just to illustrate When a, a patient has cancer The doctor first needs to diagnose the disease, the condition and then he needs to treat the cancer itself perhaps with chemotherapy or radiotherapy. You see, the doctor doesn't just treat the symptoms of the disease. He treats the disease itself. Because if he didn't, then the condition would get worse, the patient would die, the cancer would metastasize and kill the patient. You see, the Doctor needs to treat the cause, of disease, the cancer itself and not just the symptoms. And this is what we see Jesus do here. He targets the main root of the problem first, the sin in a man's life. And then he proceeds to heal him. For Jesus, forgiveness was more fundamental. Forgiveness was more fundamental than the physical healing. And this is a quote from the Desiring God website. In a more profound way, Jesus was given the man not the revival of limbs, but the renewal of his soul. Our our greatest need in this world is not to solve the world's global warming issue, although this is a problem. Or to protect the world from a nuclear threat Although we need protection Our greatest need is to be reconciled with the creator God We need that reconciliation And Jesus Christ is the one who forgives our sins And provides it for us Perhaps we have come to church today Asking God for various petitions that lay on our hearts various broken relationships maybe we're asking him to heal that broken relationship with our parents no matter how hard we try the situation just gets worse and worse there is still a bitterness from the past and then there's pain in the present you know these are important matters and Jesus does uh, care about them but for Jesus the immediate and most important need for you and for me is to restore this a broken relationship with God. Is to reconcile us to the Father. He wants to uh, give us life. He wants to forgive us and to adopt us back in into God's uh, family. And so physical healing did come later for this man. So Jesus does care about our life here and now. But Jesus is infinitely more concerned about our eternity, our life to come.
0: Our next life.
1: So, I'll just read verse 3. At this time, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. So this unique and bold claim of forgiveness would have, it would have infuriated the Pharisees. They would have been so angry. But why? You see, Jesus himself is making a claim that he is equal to God, because only God can forgive sins. Verse 4, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins." So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat and go home. You see, Jesus' authority to heal here shows he has authority to forgive. He is a, a king who loves to forgive. And I'll bring us back to the illustration at the the start of the sermon. Do you remember that a sister in Christ who was struggling with issues of security and assurance in her Christian walk? And her main question to me was Paul, has Jesus really forgiven me? And Jesus' answer to her and to us today is yes, I have the authority to forgive your sins be reassured trust me i will forgive all your sins the bible promises us as far as the east is from the west that so far has he removed our transgressions from us that our sins used to be like scarlet like crimson but they should be like white like snow have you ever seen a a field covered with snow, how pure it looks. There is no speckle of sin, no dirt within it. Our record will be like that. Romans tells us, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are freed from the shackles of shame and guilt from the past. And the second point of the sermon is Our need of forgiveness So I had a, a conversation with a friend And this friend wasn't a Christian So he wasn't trusting in Jesus And it was about forgiveness And, and, when, and it went something like this He says, Paul, I'm, I'm generally a good person I think Um... I give up my seat on the, on the underground, on the tube, I pay my taxes, I honour my parents. Um, I even recycle. I was like, you, know, you, don't, you don't have to go that far. Um, but yeah, he was adamant that he didn't need God's uh, forgiveness in his life. His words were, I'm okay. And we'll see from the next passage, some people, like my friend, didn't think they need or didn't think they require God's forgiveness. And other people like Matthew recognise their need for forgiveness. And next slide. And verse 9. And this is the story of Matthew who is a, a tax collector. And he left everything to follow this man Jesus. Verse 9. As Jesus went on from living he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. A follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. You see just to give us a background of who the tax collectors were, this is very brief. Uh, So the tax collectors were generally hated by many people and why is the question. So they were responsible for placing these high levies and these high taxes on their own people, the Jews, and profiting from those taxes. They were seen as traitors as people preying on their own people but here we have Matthew leaving his his money his status his power to follow Jesus at verse 10 while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples verse 11 when the Pharisees saw this they asked his disciples why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And so in these verses um, stated by Mark Dever we see Jesus not fasting with the religious people but he is feasting with sinners. He's not fasting with the religious but feasting with sinners. And Matthew would have been an unlikely candidate to be a A disciple He was betraying his own people He was greedy for money Someone probably we wouldn't pick For our own team But yet we see another side of Matthew We see this heart of repentance Someone who is born again Someone who realised that they can't hit that mark Someone Someone who knows that they don't measure up But at the same time Someone who rejoices in God's wonderful forgiveness in his life. How does he celebrate? What does he do? Well in in Matthew's account we are told he he has a meal but in Luke's account we are told he, he holds this big banquet and we all know about banquets in Hong Kong right? Places where we invite our friends and family have wonderful food and this is what Matthew does. He tells everyone. He wants to celebrate him knowing this forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And this is Matthew's response to Jesus' forgiveness in his life. How do the Pharisees respond? Verse 11. They say, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is Jesus defiling and polluting himself, in other words? Why is he associating with sinners? Not just associating with them, but he's eating them. He is in fellowship and communion with them. You see, they respond with self-righteousness and pride. Next slide. But you see... In a surprising way, Jesus, Jesus' response may have pleased the Pharisees. I'll try and explain that a bit clearer now. So in verse, says, in verse 12, he says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And so, this could mean that the Pharisees were healthy. Could it? Was, Jesus, was this is was Jesus' positive pronouncement of the Pharisees? Was he appraising them for their spiritual state? You can almost imagine what they're thinking. Ah, they must have thought. That's why he's spending so much time with them. They're the sinners. They're the sick people. We are not sick. Healthy people don't go to doctors. You can almost envisage their smugness. But do you see their own self-righteousness and their blindness to their own sin, trusting in themselves rather than God and in similar ways do we examine other people's sin in that way do we place their sin under a magnifying glass and we scrutinise and we examine their mistakes we make mountains out of and we forget the big picture of God's mercy and love do we blow up their problems like a balloon so it becomes visible to everyone around and what we do with our own sin we conveniently brush it under the carpet we make excuses we are charitable to ourselves I say things like I'm not that bad compared to this person I've had a, a long day The children were playing up. You aggravated me At times do we forget our need for forgiveness In the Christian life Have we stopped repenting and turning back to Jesus Have we relying on ourselves And on our own good works Do we have a a critical Even a, a judgmental attitude Towards other people Again lenient on ourselves But harsh on others You see friends This passage This passage today It addresses all of us We are all sinners In need of God's forgiveness We are all sick The church is a hospital of the sick not of the righteous we are all tax, we are all need of forgiveness, tax collectors Pharisees fishermen, bible teachers doctors, lawyers rich and, rich and the poor the young and the old we all fall short of God's glory but the difference is this between Matthew and the Pharisees Matthew was humble enough to know his need of forgiveness. But the Pharisees were too proud to think they needed any forgiveness. My friends, have, have you forgotten the need of forgiveness in your life? Jesus' invitation to us today is, will we remember our need of his forgiveness? Will we continue to come back to him in repentance and in faith? Or do we think we're spiritually okay? If we think we are spiritually okay, then Jesus has nothing for us today. The irony is, those who think they are well are excluded from God's kingdom. And then Jesus quotes from the Old Testament, the book of Hosea. In verse 12, he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. So the context here is, uh, Israel are in rebellion and sin against God. But God still loves them with this covenantal love. He still loves them and he calls them back to repentance. He says, come back to me. You see, God was seeking not the Restoration of temple sacrifices, that he was looking for godliness showing itself in mercy and love. Jesus was calling again all people to come back to him, especially the Jews, especially the Pharisees. He was pleading with them. And number three, the last point in the sermon is that the cost of forgiveness cost of forgiveness imagine a friend uh, comes to your house and he says or your apartment it would be in Hong Kong I suppose and he says I've paid a bill for you the thing is you have no idea how to respond to this friend until you know how much that bill was for or even what that bill was for it could have been like a small amount, for example the cost of your stamp on your envelope. Or it could have been an entire mortgage you could have paid for your, for your house or your apartment. Until I know how much debt was paid, I wouldn't know whether to shake his hand or give him a massive kiss or a hug. And verse, three, verse 13, Jesus says, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners you see Jesus Christ is that friend who came and paid that enormous debt and cost to secure our forgiveness something that we could never pay and that payment was his blood and the cost was his own life the cost there is a, a cost as well to absorbing that debt and that sin. The cost and penalty is that of God's wrath. The cost and penalty, penalty that we deserve was poured upon Jesus Christ. Again, we have all ignored God. We have all relied on ourselves like the Pharisees. And we have incurred this a massive A debt that we cannot pay off ourselves. But yet Jesus Christ comes as our friend. Pays it for us. And secures our eternal destiny. And towards the end of the the Gospel of Matthew. We hear Jesus say these words when he's close and imminent to death. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. My Father If it is possible May this cup be taken from me And from the cross we hear Jesus Christ cry My God, my God Why have you forsaken me See on the cross Jesus paid that ultimate cost Before us To secure our forgiveness He takes on that Eternal punishment In our place For our sins My friends Do you know this Infinitely costly forgiveness That was bought by the the Blood of Jesus Our mountains of sinner Are no match for his Overwhelming and all Consuming love that he has For us Towards the, the Very end of people's lives They are asked if they have any final requests, or um, yeah, any final requests that they may have. And many people have, or have similar answers. Most people say they want to say goodbye to loved ones. Others want to make provisions for uh, wills to make sure wills are in place for their children. Still others want to thank certain people before they die. But many ask for forgiveness from other people who they've hurt or offended in the past. You see, they want to settle the debts incurred. And only when they do this, then they find this peace and they rest that they crave and they want. But yet, in Jesus Christ, we have already had this spiritual debt paid for us. We have not only offended others, but we have offended God himself. And Jesus has paid that debt. And he gives us this everlasting rest, reconciling us to the Father again. And the other amazing thing about God's forgiveness is this. It gives you the power, the supernatural power and strength to even forgive Others, because we have tasted this wonderful forgiveness from God. And what does forgiveness look like? It looks like this. This is a a story of a a Christian mother called Mrs. Walker. Um, And her son Anthony was murdered in a racially motivated attack by two young men who killed him with an axe after he came home from... A choir practice from church and she was asked do you hate the young men who murdered your son and her reply I can't hate I brought up my children in this church to love we're a forgiven family we don't just preach it we practice it but though this must have been unimaginably difficult And hard Forgiveness removes our hate and our bitterness Because we have tasted God's forgiveness for us And we can leave the justice to him We can put down our swords Because we know true justice will prevail in the end God is the righteous judge on his throne And he sees and knows all So in conclusion Jesus calls us all today to continue to look for him, come to him for forgiveness. He asks us to confess and continue to trust in his finished work on the cross. Will we continue to ask God to open our own spiritual blindness, perhaps it's To remove that Pharisee in all of us. To see our need for our own forgiveness. And to call everyone everywhere to repent and to turn to Jesus. And finally, will we ask him to show how costly this work on the cross was. And on the last day, when we stand before God, Jesus will vindicate us, having paid our death how incredible is that and like Matthew we will rejoice in the forgiveness that God has purchased and we will eat together in this a banquet a banquet to end all banquets the wedding supper of the lamb can't wait for that day and we will all be forever praising God and giving glory to his wonderful name shall we pray Father we thank you for your costly forgiveness and we pray that we could understand it more give us the spirit to enable us to love others as you have loved us, to forgive others as you have forgiven us we pray all this in your son's name Amen We'll go to sing our final song now, which Kicks Up.